Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, we're in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2. And so here we go from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing. Here's what he says. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So notice right off the bat here, Paul says, I exhort, first of all, that we pray. And he lists out a number of different types of prayers, intercessions or supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks, be made known, be made for all men and for kings. This is talking about leaders, rulers, prime ministers, presidents, governors, mayors, etc. For kings and all who are in authority that watch this, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life and all godliness and reverence. Now notice he's not really provoking us to address things in the natural. Now that doesn't mean that it's never right to do that. Paul addressed certain things and he confronted certain things. He said in Galatians, I confronted Peter to his face. Well, of course, this is within the church. But nonetheless, what he's really emphasizing here is let's deal with things in the spirit. Let's come to God. Let's pray to God about these things, even political things, even governmental things, national interests and such. Let's bring them to, to God and pray that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So Paul is not in any way, and let's say it more accurately, the Holy Spirit through Paul is not in any way trying to provoke us to threaten and attack and, and such in the natural uh, authorities, uh, whether that be local authorities, even in within the church or within the community, within our county, state, etc. No, he's saying we people of God want to live a quiet and peaceable life. We want to be easy to lead. And so that doesn't mean we just condone evil, but we want to be easy to lead. We're not rebellious and such. But we need to pray is what he's encouraging. Verse three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So notice Paul saying that this kind of approach with prayer and leading a quiet and peaceable life is, is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So notice that the Lord is telling us here, you have to keep things in perspective. Sometimes we can jump on a bandwagon or jump on a, a certain issue. And it is an important issue. But Paul's saying, remember the big picture. God's trying to get people saved and he wants to use the testimony of the church to do it. He desires all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I just love that it says the man. Jesus seated at the right hand of God right now in heaven is still a man. He will be a human being for all of eternity. He chose not just to become a human being for 33 years so that he could die. No, no. 
His human body was raised from the dead. It's now a glorified body, but he still has that body today. It, it still bears the marks of crucifixion to this day. And so it says the man, Christ Jesus. Now he's God, but he's also a man. So there's one meter between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, watch this, who gave himself a ransom for all. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave. But notice Jesus also gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So Paul lists here three roles or offices that he stands in. He says a teacher, a preacher, and uh, a teacher. Well, let me go back. He says a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. A preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. So these are three assignments that Paul has. So notice he didn't lock himself just into being an apostle or just being a teacher. No, he says all of these. A a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Verse 8, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so let me just stop there. So he said, I desire that men do this. Now, this also implies that men don't naturally do this. But he's saying, I desire that they do this, that men pray everywhere. Men don't just let the ladies pray. No, but God is saying, no, I desire that you men pray everywhere and lift up holy hands. What does that mean? You're not doing wrong things with your hands. That you're lifting up holy hands, hands that are yielded to God. Hands that have been repented over for any sin that they've done. You're lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. You have no wrath in your heart. You've got all that cleared out. The Lord has cleared all that out. You've yielded yourself to him, been washed by him without wrath and without doubting. You're fully in faith that God is real and that Jesus is indeed your Lord. So I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women, so now he's going to address the women, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation. Now, let me just tell you that when we're reading these various epistles of Paul or letters from Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians, to the Romans, to the the church, the people of the church of Ephesus, to the churches of Galatia, to the churches at Philippi, etc. Well, Paul has relationship with all of these churches, and he knows the conditions. And so sometimes Paul is saying something that is universal across everybody, and this is a universal command. But other times we're listening to and experiencing the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit address specific things in a specific instance. Things that don't relate to us in today's day and age. For example, in 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul's addressing communion. And he says, you know, you're getting there ahead of everybody and you're eating it all up. 
And then when other people get there afterwards, there's nothing left. Well, that does not relate to the way that we do communion in church today. And maybe because Paul said those things. So Paul confronted something that was happening in a particular church, but it wasn't a universal command and, and confrontation or correction because that's not happening everywhere. And that happens too here. And so what Paul's addressing with the men and what Paul's addressing with the women, yes, it does have implications across the board. But we have to understand that likely this is something that was going on in this particular church. And this is the church at Ephesus that Paul left Timothy to pastor and oversee. So he's addressing that there's something happening with the women. And he's telling Timothy, Tim Timothy, with these women in Ephesus, you have to address these things that the women, it goes on to say, adorn themselves in modest apparel. So apparently they weren't dressing all that modestly with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair and gold and pearls and costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. And so evidently they were going over the top with their attire. Verse 11, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach her to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Well, this last portion here, talking about women and learning in silence and such, this is a very controversial passage of scripture. In fact, I would say with regard to women in the body of Christ and particularly women doing any kinds of teaching or ministry, women being pastors or elders and such, I think this is the most controversial passage because it seems at first glance that Paul is completely prohibiting women from any leadership in, in the church, that women are just to sit and learn in silence, but only the men can be the ones that stand up and teach and preach and prophesy and lead in those capacities to be pastors and ministers and evangelists and so on and so forth. It appears if this is the only passage we had, we might conclude that that's it. But let me remind you of something that Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16. Paul says, all scripture, now that would be Old and New Testament, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, the English standard says God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So that means when we're discerning the doctrines of the Bible, we don't just take one passage and say, let's act like there's no other scripture going on. No, Paul is saying, no, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So that means that if indeed we're interpreting a particular passage accurately, then it should jive, it should not conflict with the rest of Scripture. And so if Paul says, hey, then women just should learn in silence with all submission, they should not teach, they should not be the speakers, they should not be on the platform, they just need to be quiet and just listen and let the men do all of the ministry, all of the preaching, all of the teaching, all of the singing, all of the prophesying, all of the announcements, all of the receiving of the offering. It's all men and women just learn in science. That's what this is. 
That's what this is. Well, uh, what does that mean for children's ministries? Does that mean women can't be involved? Well, according to what this says, it doesn't give women any opportunity. It just says, let the women learn in silence with all submission. And it doesn't say anything about how a woman can stand up, lead, teach, and so on. Okay, so, well, let's examine that just a bit from the scripture since we have a, a few minutes to do. And this is vitally important that we understand and interpret this properly because this is half of the body of Christ or more, all the women. And so notice this again. Paul says uh, in verse 11, let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over men. So I mentioned before that when we come to these passages and we need to interpret these passages, we need to know, is this something that the Holy Spirit is saying to all of the body of Christ as an absolute law? Or is this something that, in this case, the author, Paul, is addressing in this particular church that he was very familiar with. And now he's instructing Timothy of how to take care of something in a particular church, in a particular situation with a particular type of people. And if you study some of the history and culture, you'll find out that there were women who had been uh, seductress, who had been priestess, who had been uh, really temple harlots of other religions. And this was common practice in this day and age. And they would even seduce uh, to gain authority and to gain place in the church and such. And Paul is shutting all that down. Now, remember all the, also that we're dealing with a culture where women are not educated like the men. In fact, he brings up Adam and Eve, and he said Adam was formed first, and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived. Now, she was deceived, but remember, as far as we can tell, in Genesis chapter 2, God said to Adam, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and likely Eve got that from Adam, but she did not hear that directly from God, as far as we can tell. And so somehow or another in Adam's teaching it and conveying it, or we, we might say relaying what God said to her, well, she said, don't eat it, don't touch it. Well, of course, that wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't as precise as the way God said it to Adam. And somehow or another, Eve got deceived. And so I think there's a parallel there to the fact that in this day and age, unlike today, the women were not, did not get to go be educated like the men did. The women were staying at home, becoming uh, wives and mothers and caring for children and so forth. And so uh, they would not have had the education or the preparation to be able to teach. And I think there's also likely something cultural here that we can see that parallels to a passage in 1 uh, Corinthians that tells us this, that sometimes because women were not all that educated, during the church service, they're asking their husbands questions and trying to learn, trying to catch up, trying to get a frame of reference. And it seems to be causing a disturbance and such. And so Paul is saying, look, <laughs> the women need to... Uh, be in silence, and they can really talk to their husbands at home and get some of these questions answered. So here's the question. Is this universal that no women in any church, even to today, should be teaching, preaching, singing? They should just learn in silence. Is that what Paul's saying? Because that's what it seems to say here, if you just take it at face value. Or 
when we bring in the rest of the Bible, is this giving us a different picture? That it's really something local that he's addressing here that still applies to today with the right heart of submission and not bringing the cultural ways of usurping authority into the church, uh, women being still in submission to their own husbands as they are leading the church. And let me give you several quick reasons why, among many, why I believe this is a pastoral issue and not a universal command to all churches. First of all, in 1 Corinthians, where it also addresses, let the women keep silent in the church, in, for, in that same book, Paul says that a woman can prophesy as long as she has her head covered. Now, wait a minute. So why would he say she needs to have her head covered when she prophesies? If she should never prophesy, she must remain silent. So you can tell there just by that one passage in 1 Corinthians that Paul doesn't believe that applies universally everywhere. Not only that, but for example, in Romans 16, I'm just going off the top of my head, but this is everywhere in the Bible, all over the place. Romans 16, Paul says, I commend to you Phoebe, who is, and the Greek says, a deaconess, a deacon. She's a deacon and she's a ministry partner. And I commend you and ask you to help her. He didn't say she's coming to help you. He said, I command you to assist her in whatever she has need of because she's a ministry partner of mine. He also goes on the 16th chapter to address a lady named Junia. And he said, and she and her husband are of note among the apostles. Wow. A woman being an apostle. And so Paul, by the way, is in of all the New Testament writers, he's the most pro-women in ministry, even though you would think from this passage, he's not. He's the most pro-women in ministry. In fact, he said this. He said uh, on numerous occasions, greet Priscilla and Aquila. He would name Priscilla before Aquila most all the time. Greet Priscilla and Aquila because it seemed obvious that Priscilla was the primary person in the ministry team of Aquila and Priscilla, that she was the primary teacher, the primary leader. And so he said, they risked their necks as ministry partners of mine. And so Paul was validating this. But all through the Old Testament, you see Deborah, the judge, who led all of Israel by herself. She was, the, she was a wife, she was a prophetess, and she was the judge of Israel. She was the top person. You see Huldah, the prophetess, that the king sent to get a word from the Lord. Hold on. You see Anna, a prophetess, when Jesus was born and brought into the temple. There's Anna, the prophetess. That The Bible says she was a prophetess, just like that. These are all over the Bible. God is using women in ministry. And let me give you one more. Joel prophesied, and Peter picked up on it in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell. And Peter said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of, that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Paul also said to the Galatians, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor slave. They're, we're all the same. In other words, once you get born again and once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have the ability by the Holy Spirit to do anything anybody else can do. Why? Because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So nobody is... Uh, any better or worse, because we're all doing this by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when he says your sons and daughters shall prophesy, that's 
that's quoted, that's prophesied by Joel in the Old Testament. Peter quotes it and says, this is what Joel prophesied about, that when my spirit, when God pours out his spirit, sons and daughters, men servants and maidservants, male and female, are going to be speaking for God and prophesying. So just by the few passages that I've quoted here, you can tell that this passage cannot properly be interpreted as a universal command that women can never do this because that would completely contradict and nullify and prove to be in error these other prophetic scriptures. No, the Bible is not in error, but the Bible must be interpreted in light of itself. And so you can't ignore all those other passages or act like they're all wrong just to make one passage say what you think it ought to say. No, you just put them all together and say, in light of what God has shown us in the word of God, how must we interpret this passage so that it really integrates with the rest of the Bible? And that's the only right, righteous way to do it. Plus, God is not so foolish. In fact, we re just read in this chapter, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, why would God sit on the sidelines half of the body of Christ? He wouldn't. No. Yet, in the church and in, in the home as well, God does want women to be modest and not to take the world's approach with sexuality, sensuality, with attraction, dressing to attract and to influence and so on, to gain, uh, to gain a position or power or authority. Paul, I believe, very clearly is confronting all of that and saying, no, Timothy, you have to shut that down. And you have to make sure that women are, are playing this humble part and they're not doing what their society, they're not doing what they have been trained in their society to do, to take advantage of the power that they have as women and being attractive and all of that. He said, no, you have to teach them in silence to allow God to promote them, to learn and to allow God to lift them up and to put them in those places of authority. It seems to me this is exactly what he's saying. And you know, if, if Eve, by the way, would have just stayed with what Adam said, then they really would have done well. But God noticed he still let Eve roam around the garden and speak her own will and her own mind and such. But, uh, but it got... It got her and Adam as well and all the rest of us too into trouble. So you can tell that there is a vulnerability here with we as human beings to not be in submission to our authorities and to get out over our skis, if I can say it like that. So on the one hand, God is bringing a warning that in this particular case, and certainly likely applies in many other cases, that women can use to their advantage their attractiveness and such and dress a certain way to gain position. But Paul's saying, no, that should not be allowed. They need to let God do it, and they need to show humility and have uh, a modesty in the way that they present themselves and let the Lord be the one that puts them in these positions. Having said that, though, once God does and the Spirit of God comes on them, oh, they're not lacking a thing. 
they, they are also made in the image and likeness of God. And the power of the Holy Spirit empowers them just like he would the men, empowers them to do great exploits in the kingdom of God. And thank God for it, because we need all the help we can get to carry out the Great Commission. Well, boy, I tell you what, that's a short chapter, but we took a little long on it. But it was worth it because this is an important thing for us to understand to release all of the body of Christ into ministry and not only half. So, Father, thank you for this. And I, I declare a releasing of women who are called to ministry and maybe they haven't understood these things. But, Lord, I thank you that you do through them everything that you want to do. Lord, for all the men who are joining with us today, I pray in Jesus name that none would try to edge out any woman, Lord, but that we would say, Lord, whatever you've called, we want to do it your way. We want everybody to fulfill their respective assignments so that the world might be saved. And we prayed in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.